This is Infection, the survival podcast recorded live on Tuesday, October 5th, 2021, episode 351. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to another episode, another edition of Infection, the survival podcast. Infection is your source for the latest information. Put a little asterisk there on survival video games. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Nick Craig. You can follow me on various social media platforms. You can find all of those links on my website, nickcraig.net. If you'd like to check out my political rantings, you can check out the Wilmington's Morning News podcast available wherever you get your podcast. You can also visit nickcraig.com for more information on that. And of course, our illustrious website, infectionpodcast.com. Joining me as he does each and every week from the great state of yes. Idaho, Brian with an I, Aldridge. Hello, Brian. How are you? Hello. I'm doing very well. And if you want to find me, of course, at Brian Aldridge on Gavin Parlor. Uh, my blog, biteoftech.com. And then, of course, as Nick said, just go to our website, infectionpodcast.com. Uh, go to the right-hand side and go to our Discord server. And that, we, as people may have noticed in Discord today, we uh, test out the new notification system that they just released. Uh, probably, <laughs> I think we're going to switch to that from the Steam group because the Steam group notification still has not gone off. Um, and uh, Discord uh, is where most of our people are. So uh, let's go ahead and, uh, if you have a chance... Jump into our Discord if you're not on there. I really encourage you. Then you can get reminders of the live show. Uh, if you want to catch the video form of the podcast, you can do that through Twitch, YouTube, uh, BitChute, or DLive. And then we have the audio forms at the lower right that you can do uh, for whatever platform, device, anything uh, that you use. You can even use your computer and on a web page, I'm sure. You know, they've got something you can listen to there. Uh, if you are listening, though, you should probably follow along with the show notes because we've got links to videos, articles, things that we refer to and we'll show on the screen. Uh, if you can't see the screen uh, when you're listening, just go ahead and pull each of those up and we've got a lot of helpful things in there for you. So if you want to support us, uh, go to the support tab up top or you can go to infectionpodcast.com forward slash support. Uh, we've got Prime Gaming Subs, a Humble Bundle, Amazon Prime. Uh, we've got, uh, what's the other one? Subscribe star. So a lot of ways I actually remember this time without looking <laughs> subscribe star. So, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can support us and we're all looking forward to those going towards a trip to hope maybe Seattle or whatever it is next year. Yeah. Well, PAX just made some interesting announcements about their PAX unplugged requiring vaccinations. So we'll see if they do that for all of their other events in the, uh, in the, in the near future. We'll oh, it, I got a notice today for work. Um, if, if you, so this is how far they're going with the vaccinations for government employees. Mm. If you work in a building with someone Correct. that works yep. for the government, you yep. have to get vaccinated. Correct. If you will ever interact with them in any way, mm -hmm. You yep. have to get vaccinated. If you ever go to the office, even if it's to a different part of the building, yep. you have to get vaccinated. Yep. So that's a new thing they're doing. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll keep a close eye on that as we look forward to PAX uh, West and or East and or South 2022. Well, Brian, obviously a uh, big tech story of the week. It's not really gaming related, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the uh, big Facebook outage yesterday. Yes. And not that it's super relevant to anything that we cover on the show, but I think most people that are in, in the realm of PC gaming probably have a little bit of those tech nerd geeky tendencies. And it's a pretty fascinating yep. story, I guess, a 
configuration change to the border gateway protocol, the BGP, for all intents and purposes, deleted Facebook from the Internet. Nobody like a phone book. (laughs) A name was just erased. And for all intents and purposes, they didn't exist. Nobody, no router knew how to no router knew what a Facebook.com was. It, It for all intents and purposes, did not exist. Yep. And so the domain sales sites showed Facebook.com is available for purchase and just all <laughs> kinds of different things happened uh, that now, you know, took them a while. It was, it was surprising how long it took them to come back from that. Uh, you know, you would figure, oh, just roll out a patch reversing it to the previous one. Obviously, it wasn't that simple because it took them a while. Uh, and, you know, Nick, you know, working, having worked in tech, you know, it takes a while for these things to propagate on the Internet. DNS is different than most things on the Internet. You have to wait. You ch- you push a change, and then it spreads through the internet through you know ISPs updated at different times, uh, cell phone providers update you know usually update them more rapidly. And then for this, this is the backbone where they don't do hardly you know they, very rarely are they doing these updates. So some of these servers you have to sit and wait for them to manually hit their next update cycle before they'll pull the update. So uh, you know they kind of caught themselves in a mess. I'm sure there will be a lot of changes that they apply towards the process to prevent this from happening again because there was huge amounts of their stock price there were a lot of things that were affected by this well one of the things and i saw a bunch of non-tech people even tech people saying like oh we need to really do a deep dive and look at how the internet works like no that that is how the internet is built what are you going to do what are you going to do just get rid of the internet start internet 2.0 and build it on a whole bunch of different protocol i mean it's just not realistic the internet is because yeah. there are thou- hundreds, there are millions of switches and routers all over the world. Literally, might be tens of millions of switches and routers yeah. all over the world. And the idea that there's any other way to do it besides this form of propagation is kind of a, a pipe dream. And that's just well, the unfortunate you, reality think, of, of routing. And I think what they're going to have to do, I mean, if they want to upgrade this over the long term, they need to set up a new standard of, you know, whatever, when they go to the next 100 gigabits, 200 gigabits, whatever, you know, the next one above that, uh, that they set the standard that they have to use this new protocol for that to be able to handle these capacities. And then they can start rolling out other things, but you're not going to just rework all the existing equipment because there's so much hardware that's, you're not going to update thousands and thousands of routers uh, different types of routers yeah it's it's completely unrealistic but it does go to show you that there are you know a simple con- what was likely a simple configuration change can wreak havoc it's obviously not the first time we've yep. seen we've seen big aws outages in the past cloudflare's had big outages it just goes to show how delicate something that we think is so easy like https colon slash slash facebook.com can be such a tricky thing to get access to because of the routing and the protocols and all the things that are set yep. up so showed kind of to me the you know what w- being a tech person you already know brian is that there are incredible weaknesses in what we call the internet just based on how it's created yeah. and how it works and it really is amazing that it does work and that i can stream three megabits a second video to twitch and you can watch it. It's yep. it's it's a it's a pretty astonishing thing that it works as well as it does most of the time. Well, and most of these are committees, like these are groups, uh, organizations that sit there and regulate this type of thing. They're uh, you know, people in the industry. Uh, you know, some most of them you've never heard of. Just a lot of engineers 
so, uh, some of these positions are volunteer. It's kind of like the whole open source thing. This it it's very similar to how they do open source as far as how they make changes and 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 it's a process of approvals and all this because it's not a company that's overseeing this. There's not, I mean, they may have some sort of a president, but there's not, usually it's a group of people that are, that are making these decisions and moving forward with changes. So, uh, I think that's why it's so slow, but I think that's why also it's been so successful in being stable as it has for so many years where we haven't had the only whole internet, like, you know, this isn't the whole internet, but a big chunk of the internet drop off. Yeah. It, it, it would be contrary to what you may have seen in the it crowd, the it is very hard for the internet to go down there is not really an in, there is not an internet that can uh, that can that can go down so and it's it's more of cl- clogging because what we've seen in the past especially with cloudflare now that we have like a service that co- that companies are using to push major bandwidth uh you know for their products their sites everything yeah. and i think that that when things and I, this had something to do with cloudflare i think as well because they said when the change hit cloudflare that's when everything like for some reasons cloud flare had something to do with it just the amount of everything that that tied together with cloudflare uh, is just amazing now we're in i think more than ever things being tied together a little closely than they ever have been because we have these mass services covering so many of our infrastructure that we didn't have before you had a lot of separate things operating separately yeah, and it was even so bad that uh, according to a report i read this morning uh, the key card system at Facebook didn't even work. So people couldn't even get into the building. That's how in terms of you might say, oh, well, Facebook, you know, the website being down is, you know, it's not not the end of the world. It was everything related, anything that was related to Facebook. The employees essentially had a, the day off, obviously not the engineers, but regular employees yeah. had the day off because they couldn't get into the building. And even if they could email collaboration tools i'm sure their domain none of that stuff was was working so they called it a yep. a snow day which of course is not something that happens out in uh, silicon valley so uh keep uh, <laughs> interesting it was an interesting situation yep. uh, to see that go down speaking of interesting situations brian we are now uh, a full week into the launch of amazon's big project new world yes and this actually yes. spawned a comment and a statement from Jeff Bezos, which was interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so he sent out, he sent out a tweet here. Uh, I was in the last couple of days uh, and he, because they have a history. I mean, if you look at the history of gaming in Amazon, uh, this isn't their first game that they've tried to release. They've had a couple they've already axed. He yeah. says after so, after many failures and setbacks in gaming, we have a success. So proud of the team for the persistence view setbacks as helpful obstacles that drive learning whatever your goals are don't give up no matter how hard it gets and then i'd have to uh i don't have the second one do you have the second one i don't see the link yeah it was to just it a link to his, an uh, article oh there we go Google here we go that's yeah uh, okay cool so that's not even <laughs> yeah okay so so with this i mean if you look at it they had um three i think titles that were not successful that they shelved and then this one I mean, you have the director, the, one of the guys from H1Z1, the heads from H1Z1 behind this. I think for a lot of people that put a lot of kind of worry and speculation of whether or not this was going to be successful. But I think by so far, I think that the responses that we've been seeing show that there's a chance that this could actually be a success. Now, the, the first well, week, two weeks, three weeks, a lot of people play. But 
you know, so far I've not been hearing a lot of complaints. Well, speaking of success, here's a look at the current players. This was as of about 7 o'clock Eastern time, 613,892,000 yeah. currently playing the 24-hour peak, 745,337. And the interesting to note is that the seven-day peak, which is now also the all-time peak, which was over the weekend, was just shy of a million, 913,634. Normally, the highest peak of the game is launch day. And I found it very interesting that it, launch day was, in fact, not the highest peak. The highest peak on launch day was like, I want to say like 702 or something like that. So the fact that they pulled in another two or 300,000 players over the weekend um, is, I assume, a pretty good indication. It is the number one game being played on Steam right now as it was last week. It's and got it's the next not closest. it's free to play game. Yeah, it's well, the not next, free to play. Is that amazing? Well, the next closest to the next three games, the next four, the next five games on Steam below New World are all free to play. CS:GO, Dota 2, exactly. Destiny 2, which is free now, I think. Team Fortress 2 yep. and Apex Legends. The sixth, the seventh yes. game on Steam is Rust. But in terms of player count, Rust has got fifty thousand people currently playing. Amazon's New World has got over six hundred thousand. So a clear. And that that is a very and it's this is not a twenty dollar title either, Brian. This is a forty dollar yeah. title. This is a this is an expensive game for. And they not, have almost a, a million title. concurrent players. I mean, yeah. that's major money. Uh, yeah. In the first week, I, that I mean, that's pretty incredible. Um, and so I think it's good. I really want to see some more diversity in this market because I think that so many people try to either clone WoW or they know they can't beat WoW, so they don't even really try. I just most of the MMOs are they do not go as far as they could because they just know they're never going to compete against WoW. And I think here's a company that says, "Well, we can compete against WoW. We can create as much content as Blizzard does." I just I think that they they could. I think they yeah. view it as is there's no reason that they could not compete against the biggest. And I think here you're seeing this is probably one of the bigger ones. Uh, you know this. It's got tons of content for so far for what it is. And what's what's really going to be telling is going forward, are they going to continue to put out content of dungeons? Because it's not a paid for game in that um, a monthly subscription or any of this. Are they going to put in content uh, year after year, even though you're going to get a limited amount of purchases? Or are they going to have DLCs? Like, that's what I want to see. How are they going to go forward? with next year and the year after that of doing updates is it just going to be a patch or is there going to be something that uh you know you have to buy a dlc for well and the one thing to to note is outside of cyberpunk 2077 um i think it is not inaccurate to say and depending on how the numbers continue to trend you might be able to make the argument that new world was the most successful game launch of the year in terms of players it hasn't reached that yet we don't have owner numbers but according to yeah steam db that has an algorithm on how they estimate um player numbers based on uh, owners based on reviews there's a formula about how many people typically leave a review they're estimating there could be as many as five million people that own the game thus far um you know based on the player count that doesn't seem impossible um so yep. it, i this this will this could potentially be the largest game launch of 2021 in terms of player count yeah profit and sales it's going to be hard to beat cyberpunk but we saw yeah. in terms of longevity 
that New World will likely have a far longer longevity than Cyber. You want to talk about a game that has fallen flat on its face, Brian. I mean, I have not heard anything. I haven't been interested in even going back and continuing my play session. That game, I think I think I think I was vindicated for me was most important. Yeah, I think you were too. I I, I think I was vindicated. I was disappointed with the open world as far as why. If you look at GTA, (laughs) they. GTA knocks the socks off of their, their AI and look how old it is. Yeah. I just, you know, that was Christ, kind of frustrating. Go back to GTA wanted, 4 from 2006. Yeah. And it's, I'm not, I'm not saying I it's wanted, better I than to walk down the street and just have like a cool world going around me. And it doesn't feel like that because everything is just so set yeah. in how it does it. You know, kind of like how AI, that's what I liked about uh, with, um, well, GTA, their AI is pretty good, but Red Dead Redemption's, the newest one was Red Dead Redemption 2, was amazing. Uh, yeah. That's what I wanted, and they came nowhere near it. Uh, so there's one more thing. Uh, there are some answers. So their Amazon Games head, Rich Lawrence, answered some questions about the launch. And I thought that people sure. might find this interesting. Uh, they said, what was the biggest blockage New World ran into uh, in the launch? And it seemed to be going well when it was just the EU servers. It says the only substantial issue we've had is load driven by demand. Each of the regions we've targeted for launch opened in time in their respective areas. So it was less about you going well and more about just the very high number of players who showed up ready to play over time. And it says, did you, uh, did they, uh, did you anticipate player behavior such as region switching to avoid queues? And was this a big issue as some thought? We believe that the choice of, for players... This was a choice for players. So we deliberately provided the ability to change regions and just supply the information of what means in terms of latency impact. Gamers tend to uh, be well, tend to be well informed and understand the difference of higher latency. So the cho- it was their choice. Bingo, boom, shaka, um, it was an issue. So he's saying, unlike these other ones where they try to lock you into certain ones, he says, they're going to go to the servers that, that plays best for them. There's no advantage yeah. for them to go into super lag server on our game. Let them pick yeah. where they want to go. Um, now, when they, when they were starting to get hammered, because, you know, as you see, player numbers just rising and rising and rising. You have a set number of servers. Of course. Uh, you know, they, they were people are saying, well, why, you know, why don't you just add more servers to, uh, to New World? And, you know, they said that's not, you know, there's a lot of logistics and planning that go into this launch. Um, you know, and that's something that it, they weren't just going to add servers at a whim you know, and throw off a lot of, as I kind of talked about, having empty servers in a month and a half is going to look really bad for them. They yep. need to have it to where even, the servers feel It'll look full. bad, Brian. It will just be, it'll be a waste of money and a, and a terrible well, experience for the players that have nobody on the servers they're on. Exactly. That's that's the point, though. The experience yeah, for the players. They want yeah. a month and a half that player to feel like they're all, they're, the world is still full around them. They want them to be running around. So, um, you know, they said, so that when they asked directly about why don't you turn on more servers, he says, I couldn't, wouldn't call it mistaken, but there's a lot of details that get lost. Each server that a player sees is actually multiple machines configured to talk to each other. If we do our jobs right, that is not visible to the players, but it's still a complication. There's a lot of complexity. Towards ad- it's not adding up sp- single servers. These guys are it's using... It's not like Arc. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're not using a single instance server to do this. They're communicating across multiple instances to handle it's- tons of players. It's much more like Atlas than it is Rust or Arc, in which you are joining a yep. region, and then there are th- yes. hundreds of servers within that region. And yes, the, the that region that are keep that are all connected in the same instance and communicating yeah. together. So, uh, you know, you don't just they can keep adding to some, um, 
but still, you know, they, they can only do so many in the same instance and then they have to spawn up a whole nother instance of servers and then you have an open dead world. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think that the, for them, they kept going back to like the biggest unforeseen thing that they had was just the scale. They didn't expect so many people to start playing, which I mean, you know, that's good. It shows that they're a little bit humble about this. They had, they, they they weren't expecting it to just be knocked out of the park day one is what I'm gathering from this. They were actually as shocked as I think a lot of us were that so many people were interested in playing this game. Because have you heard too many people talking about this game? I mean, outside of us? I mean, I've heard, you, no, I, not, I, no, I, no, but I have started to see, now that it is out, I've seen people that, talking yeah. about it more. Yeah, but prior to it, no. But I it wasn't like, people knew. it wasn't like Cyberpunk where people were sitting there being like, all right, when's it coming out? No, people are saying, oh, it released. And people are like, oh, yeah, it released. And then all of a sudden, I think the, that's why it wasn't day one that it was a peak. I think then people said, dude, I tried this game. It was so good. And all the wow people probably started talking. I, I just think it, it, that was why it jumped to a million so quickly. Well, and the one interesting thing to note is obviously there was the concern because the game launched last Tuesday. Um, and the mm -hmm. one issue, of course, was server queues and things like that. But outside of that, which by the way, even happens on a game like WoW with a new DLC, and that game's been out 20 years. It seems like, from what I've read, and I haven't played it, so I could be wrong, but it doesn't appear that there were any big issues with the launch outside of, you know, the, the queue times, which is not... I, I saw the PC Gamer article. They said, oh, is it possible to launch an MMO smoothly? I think this was a smooth MMO launch. I think the servers didn't crash. You can get. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, there's... It's only so much you can do if you have 600,000 people all trying to log in at the same time. I mean, there's just no way to do it. Unless they that. had something where, you know, that the, the, it was scaling. The world didn't matter how many people you added in one world. You know, it would only show. The, if you could take away features and make it work on one server, seemingly on one server, right? You could make it towards yeah. instancing people and fading people in and out. But you know what? You don't want that when you're trying to find a friend. <laughs> you don't want to worry, oh, are they going to fade in? Are they in my instance? I mean, that's kind of what WoW does now. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have it to where they could make it where everybody's in one world and, you know, you're kind of fading it out, seeing people randomly. That's what Destiny does. Have you looked That's at exactly Destiny? That's exactly what Destiny does. Destiny There's no too. servers in Destiny, Destiny right? people, there's no servers. People are fading in and out of your instances all the time. I, I think that what they did, I think, is the best because they need to stick to how an MMO works of community. If you branch it out too much, then you have Destiny where there's no real community. And that's why you don't have a really good rating system. Uh, wow. That when they made all their changes, you started losing that community and the sense of this is my server because you hopped between servers so much. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a negative effect with that. I think you need to have it where you have uh, you kind of your group where you see the same people sometimes in the town. You need to have that on a really good server. So I, I think that's where they're going. One thing that I did see, uh, some GPUs are struggling with uh, New World. So make sure you set your <laughs> you set your settings to where you're not sitting there just slamming your laptop GPU if you have some sort of a, a laptop card or something. Keep an eye on that. My computer has been shutting down randomly when I play it. Hmm. That concerns me. I don't know if it's overheating my video card or something. It might be related to this. So I've just been not trying. After the third time, I said, I'm going to quit testing this theory. And I said, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait till they put a few patches out till some of these things that are bricking hardware are done because I just don't want something happening to my hardware because I was so you know trying to get in this game. I did play a bit. It is it's a lot of fun, ran smooth, but I'm just waiting for a couple patches first. So there you have it. Again, a uh, what I would say is a probably pretty 
uh, smooth launch for New World. There's still some yep. issues. The fact that you are still um, having those issues, I will note though, you are on the you're still on the older AMD FX series processors, right? Yeah. So I'm going to try again here. I'll probably try again tonight because I tried it a couple days ago. They put out some patches since then. A couple. I'll, I'll see if it shuts down. If it does, uh, then I'll wait a little bit longer. Uh, you know, then if after that, maybe I'll try to dig into exactly what's going on. But I'm assuming it's going to be because it's the only thing that does it. Nothing else shuts my computer off like this. Yeah. So, um, so that's New World. If you're interested in checking it out, it is available on Steam. It's forty bucks. Um, and uh, I have been checking uh, one of those game deal websites to see if I can. Uh, snag it for maybe thirty dollars so I'm, I'm gonna have to wait to uh to get it but if i can get it for thirty dollars um yeah i'll uh i'll see if i can go ahead and snag that so that's uh that's new world um yes another game brian that we have talked about a lot uh since its mm-hmm. inception all the way back in may of 2019 is zero survival and yes. with the launch of their 1.0 which was last week they are now out of early access i'll just read from the post right now it says zero survival has been in early access since may of 2019 may of 2019 we've changed grown and improved the game as well as grown a lot of uh, as, as well as grown a lot as small indie studio originally starting as a team of one in 2016 zero was a dream that it would not been possible without all of you Over the last few years, we've implemented most of the core mechanics that we as a studio wanted in the game, and also a lot of content which was requested by the community. We've also greatly increased the quality of the game as we feel that Zero Survival is ready to make its move out of early access. So looking at the patch notes for this, the big thing in here is the clan system. It says creating a clan allows you to build with other players and allows you to share land claim permissions with them. When you place a land claim, anyone in your clan will be able to build inside of your claimed land. You will also be able to build inside of their claimed land. Your clan tag will be displayed on your character's name tag and inside the player menu. The default maximum size of a clan is 10 with the option to increase slots through upgrades and premium clan options. This is an interesting feature that I haven't seen before with it, but for a large group yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Premium clans I think that also makes have, more the most sense. Premium clans also have access. That, sorry, one second. That's yeah. one thing that we haven't seen because that's one thing we brought up with H1Z1 was give us options that we can purchase as a clan and dude, people were ready to pay it. If we could well, have paid for something that would have given us decorations and things on our base as a clan, we would have paid that. And the big thing to note with this is with their move to free to play, this is a way that does not affect most players because most people will not be running with a clan of 10 but if you have a clan Mm -hmm. of 10 or larger there is now an option for you to go ahead and purchase some of those you know for all intents and purposes dlcs to to make that for the the game so the premium clans will also have access to more tag color options the options for upgrading clan slots will be implemented in the near future the clan system is still experimental, so there are some things that are going to change. Clan members can upgrade slash place inside the claim inside clan claims, but land claim owners will still be the only ones who can destroy objects there. So griefing, um, you know, getting into a clan and then going and deleting all of the property from clans is not going to be possible. 
This is going to be adjusted based on player feedback in the next updates. You can currently, you cannot currently modify the clan tag or name after creating a clan. That's going to be added in one of the next patches. So if you're making a clan, please be uh, sure to select a name and tag carefully. Um, they've also made some changes to the backpacks and armor skins. They're now show on the inventory character screen and weapon skins now show on your inventory as well. They have made some more changes to base building. Furnaces will no longer burn fuel when no items are needed to be smelted. That's very similar to... Uh, it's not Ark, because it? Ark will burn anyway. Um, but there, uh, Rust, maybe... Uh, Conan Exiles? Conan is Exiles. It, That's, it is, I think it is yeah. Conan Exiles, yeah. So only if there's stuff in there, you'll be able to do that. Uh, turrets can now shoot players. They added reinforced metal base tier. They added refined refinery items and added refinery metal presses. They've also added a new creator lab event to the map, replacing one of the reactor compound events and added key card systems, allowing creator cab creator lab key cards to be used to access the creator lab facility. Uh, helicopter transport removed time to arrival location. Traveling is still available and increase the time the helicopter hop helicopter takes to travel between safe zones. There's a whole bunch of other changes in here as well. There will be yep. full notes in our uh, on our post for this website, episode 351 of Infection. You can find that on our website, infectionpodcast.com. But Brian, this is I want to talk about this for a minute because I, yep. based on the notes and what we know about the game, the game is obviously not done being developed. They've even noted that the clan system that they just implemented is still experimental. Mm-hmm. But they have taken the decision to move out of early access. Yeah. So I guess, and and we can ask the we can ask Joshua this, and we it's probably about time that mm-hmm. we get it. We can probably do that interview with him. Um, yeah. But it does bring forward the question: when when does that time make sense? Obviously, the game is not done. Obviously, the game is still going to go through iterations. But I guess for the studio, but remember, leave- remember what early access is, though. You know, I mean, I, I think we're skewed because of our version of early access. What consider early access is different. Early early access used to be you just had early access to the game so you could see it before everyone else. That's what yeah. early access originally was. Uh, I think with this, uh, he's he's hit the features. They may not be, uh, you know, as as fine tuned as he wants them to be, but they're included. They're working. Um, and I think just like with other now n- other types of games, they continue putting out patches and updates without being in early access. They continue to put in features sometimes, change features. So I, I think for him, more of just getting away from that early access, because I think early access has kind of gone away because so many got stuck in early access and never left. Mm. I mean, we saw a lot of them that never left early access. Yeah. And they, they were all intents and purposes, you know, as far as they were going to go. So I, I think for I, I think this is a good move. I, I think there is yeah. a I think there's a negative connotation with early access. And some of that I think is rightfully so. Um and for, for, for them, I think leaving early access, releasing a 1.0 release, and kind of saying, okay, here is a complete game yeah. that is playable. Yeah has the core features that a game needs to have, has the core features that we want, and is not a complete heaping pile of garbage, 
it, that's that's yep. when it should be done. I am still shocked that there are so many. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Rust and Arc left early access. Those games were yeah. well beyond where Zira is right now, and they continued yep. with that that name. And it's not like it makes. It's not like the development process will change at all, but I think it's I think it's got a yeah. lot to do when a when a a, a not tuned in player, right? There's plenty of people that just go on Steam and look at games, don't watch podcasts, don't read blogs about video games, and they say, "Oh, okay, cool. 1.0 is now out. That's cool. Uh, you know, that's a game that. Yeah. And by the way, for a free to play game, that should be a pretty um, easy barrier to entry. But I, I think yeah. we need to see more of this. Early access yeah. should be a two, maybe three-year process. But if the game is stable and playable and people yeah. are playing it, get out. And this is an online game, too. Online games are a little bit different. If this were a standalone game that you download, install on your computer, you know, it, then after 1.0, some of those don't really update that much because there's not really a reason to unless there's a game-breaking bug. Yeah. This is an online game. It's going to keep updating. And that's why I don't think he's too concerned about the clan system because it's going to keep doing patches. Uh, you know, so this is, uh, I, I, think, I think this is something that we're going to see less and less of the term early access. You know, th it was a hot term for a long time, you know, because it replaced alpha and beta. And then we had early access. And I just think that that's kind of fading away. Um, and, you know, I think people want more polished games now. I think that's where starting to see i think we've been seeing that for the last couple of years people got tired of so many because look at how many competitors that joshua had <laughs> in this realm that made nothing Correct. yeah you know they tried and tried and tried you know they 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 would do all these things and they would produce nothing that's one thing that always impressed me with him is i would go watch his his uh, twitch channel and watch him making the game and i would just i would talk to him you know in his chat while he's working on the game you know, and uh, and could see that he was actually putting in the work every single day. And I think that, uh, you know, for him, it's paid off. And that's what, for him, congratulations. 1.0 is a huge deal, especially when you start out as a one-person uh, developer inside, uh, you know, in doing your, making your own company and then getting it to where you actually publish a game. That's pretty cool. And so congratulations to him. Yeah. And um, we, we message back and forth with Josh from time to time. So uh, we'll reach out to him and see if we can uh, snag him for a, an interview over yeah. the next couple of weeks. And talk about that problem we'll probably honestly we probably can do a whole show about it honestly and and and, and mm -hmm. maybe even really i think we talk about the whole process he may yeah, want to do an off the air recording and that that way we could figure out exactly what kind of time or maybe even because he's well, he you know he's on the other side of the world so his hours yeah, well, kind of weird uh, yeah, maybe what we do brian is is record a long interview and publish that separately mm -hmm. and then just take some clips of it and play it here on the show maybe that's a uh, oh yeah we could we, do that way, way that we could go about that because i think the being able to talk about the whole, I mean, obviously we'll talk about Zero and talk about the game, but I think the process of it, it yeah. for, for me, is almost more interesting than the game itself. And I'm not taking a shot at Zero, but the whole, this whole early access process in an industry in which it is highly competitive. There are a million, yeah. I mean, I saw, an, what was I watching? I think it was a Linus Tech Tips videos or video earlier this week. And they mentioned that there's like, you know, how many thousands of games on, on Xbox and that there are 20,000 yep. games put on Steam almost every year or something. It was some absurd yep. number something of ridiculous. games. Ridiculous, yeah. And it was like, And to get noticed moly. in that wave, you know what I'm is, saying? It's unbelievable. Getting noticed yeah. in that wave is huge. And the fact that he did it and uh, and has done this, that's that's why, you know, I, I say good job because uh, 
you know, I did, I, I did a YouTube channel for a while, helping people making, making video games and things. And so I had so many people message me. There's tons of people trying to do what he did. Tons. You would not, you have no clue how many people are trying to do what he did. So, uh, it's pretty cool that he actually did it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll, and we'll arrange that interview because that's something yeah. that he has agreed to already. So <laughs> there, there's no backing out now. So we'll do yeah. that in the next couple weeks. All right, uh, so that's Zero. You can check it out. Free-to-play game 1.0 is launched. The name is Zero Survival. You can find it on El Stimo. All right, so let's talk about a couple things really yeah, quickly. First of all, there's going to be some a Windows 11 update happening pretty soon. I put a couple of articles in there of various places warning you if you're a gamer on Windows of why you might want to wait to upgrade to Windows 11. So I put those in there. We don't really need to go through them now, but, you know, figure this is relevant to our audience because a lot of them are PC players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check that out if you're interested. Um, I, there's some pretty cool things that came out from Microsoft this week. For instance, Xbox Cloud Gaming has reached 1 billion people. Just to give you an idea of the sheer numbers. What does that mean? Uh, and I'm assuming that has... So uh, Microsoft is, try, they, is trying to reach a, a 3 billion gamers around the world. Um, but they said... I'm trying to find here where they got that. This gives the Xbox uh, Cloud Gaming, well, they say a potential audience. They can handle 1 billion people right now. Well, no, I think it means so that it's the, available in regions to reach a billion people, and they want to reach 3 yeah, billion. Yeah, they, 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 they have, because they've gone down to South America. Uh, one thing that we talk about, Brazil. Brazil Huge. has been the place that they've been talking yeah. about. Yeah, so this, they, they, they have opened up in Brazil because of these factors that we don't really think about here. We've been talking about a little bit with China. But a lot of people play mobile gaming. They don't have console hard- hardware. The, the high cost of console hardware prices a lot of these, uh, these different places out of the market. But you know what? They can play on mobile. How do you fix that? You turn around and you stream the, the computing part to a flat screen. A lot of these places do have somewhat decent internet because they're in, you know, they're in the cities, things like this. So they actually have decent internet to be able to do some of this. Um, but they don't have the hardware to be There's, able to 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 play these games. I want to read just a tweet here from this. I find this interesting. He says, thank you. Even console gaming is still very expensive in Brazil. The Series S costs close to three full months of minimum wage. Yes. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. When, when we say people in China, people in Brazil can't afford a console, I'm telling you, are you going to pay three months of your salary for the Xbox S? No, no, it'd be insane. <laughs> but these people would have to. So, how do you reach these markets that can, in no way, afford to get a console, streaming, clouding, cloud gaming? I, I, I think Microsoft once again is so far ahead in how do they reach? And now you, you've got, uh, is it Elon Musk providing Starlink, where you've got just internet everywhere that's three hundred megabits, um, you know? And I'm sure he's going to work out something to where it's going to be probably cost, you know fluctuated based on where you're at i'm sure they're going to do something because they're not going to charge a hundred dollars a month for brazil people (laughs) you know it's just not going to happen um but i just think i think i just want to mainly point out once again these guys are so far ahead on this market just as far as i think they're right where they need to be i think they've been planning this for a while it's pretty cool to see it start to unfold um because they've opened that testing for the cloud gaming so some people will start to see on their subscriptions in Xbox, they'll start seeing options to cloud game. So cool. keep an eye out for that. Uh, another thing is kind of a reconfirmation of something we've been saying for a while, but PC games, 
and put out a an article talking about how the Xbox Series X is slowly becoming a gaming PC because of the Microsoft Edge browser. I just think Microsoft, and you know, we've been saying this, those Xboxes are becoming more and more like computers. They are computers with it a little bit different of an operating system. Um, and I think that Microsoft with cloud gaming, with just going for making it to where it's not so reliant on the console because they're realizing hardware right now is hard to get. Um, but software you can keep on replicating. And so uh, that looks like they're going to go for kind of making it go for the PC, uh, make it to where I bet you you won't need an Xbox uh, to play almost every single Xbox game in the next couple of years. Yeah, uh, I bet you they'll make it to where everything is ba- available to play without an actual Xbox. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to need because what how, have you you know how many people have gone out and gotten the new Xboxes? Still very few compared to how many normally would if they had unlimited supply. I was in what's today Tuesday. I was in Walmart yesterday picking up a uh, some coffee creamer and some various other things. And as I always do, I walked by the uh, <laughs> video, the, walked by the electronics section and saw a half a dozen oculus vrs nintendo switches Mm -hmm. but not a single xbox or playstation um saw none peripherals i saw playstation vr um but did not see any of the consoles and again i don't know if they're actually shipping them to the stores or not but i they still have the display cases that you know are showing them off so i okay presume at some yeah. point they're going to want to sell them in the so stores. they do the thing is, is i think everybody's pre-ordering them like pre-requesting them and the thing is is i got mine through the online so at like a certain time on a certain day of the week they'll post some on their website and those things are gone in minutes minutes yeah. every single no, time I just, I just think it's interesting that you know traditionally traditionally at this point in the life cycle the console's been out for over a year um you would most be of the people to, have had it have that wanted it day one got it you, you would be able to go to a target a walmart or a best buy and find and, and, and find one of these things there. yeah now obviously yep. as we get closer to the holiday season that you know that supply becomes more limited you'll have a harder time but throughout the summer i should have been able to walk into a brick and mortar store and purchase an Xbox or PlayStation. Yep. I'm sure I could have if I was really wanting to, um, but have not seen a single one in Walmart. I don't go to Best Buy. Maybe I'll make a run over there this week and see what they've got in stock. Um, same thing in Target. I was yep. there this weekend and, and walked past the electronic section. I didn't see anything there either. Um, so yep. I just thought that yep. was interesting. Yeah, and I and I don't know when that's going to change. You know, you and I were talking a little bit before the show about the economy over in China. I just think there's more turmoil coming. So I, I don't know that we're going to get in you know, anytime soon <laughs> consoles sitting on the actual shelves. I think yeah. we're still got a little way a ways to go. Speaking of a little ways to go, uh, Icarus is now delayed to 2021 of December or December 2021. So it was supposed to be out here pretty soon, uh, but they pushed it out to the end of the year here. So. Uh, that that's the one by Dean Hall uh, that we showed some video clips of uh, with the different biomes and everything. So that they've changed their how they do their betas, and then they've they've put a delay um, on the release date. Uh, it was supposed to be October night. Was it, I don't know. It's supposed to be that pretty soon here. It was supposed to release. I, I, yeah, that sounds right. They, they they I think they did gave a really late notice if I if I remember correctly. Um. In other news, Brian, one of the big competitors to Steam, of course, the Epic Game Store, one of the complaints since the launch of the Epic Game Store was that they were just missing a lot of key 
not even key things, but a lot of simple features that Steam and Xbox and PlayStation yeah. have. One of those is the achievement system. And finally, after what has it been? You know, a year and a half, two years of of the Epic and 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 yeah, but a year and a half of the Epic Game Store, they will finally get achievements. Now, I will say, of course, while it's easy to sit here and beat up on Epic, I'm not necessarily sure that an achievement system was the highest priority when they were launching a brand new game store. Uh, but I guess for yeah. the uh, the achievement whores, the gamer score whores, as they've been known to, as in the past. This is a uh, a good thing, I guess. I don't don't particularly care. Um, I don't know yeah. many people that do, but for those individuals that are all on the achievement bandwagon, um, it will now be in the game or now in the the store, and you'll be able to add, you'll have achievements on your account. So good, I guess. I don't, and, I don't know. I don't really. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But. I, I'm more waiting for the the grouping and all of the, the voice chat things that they're they've been talking about. That's going to be because the beauty of all the systems that Epic Game Store implements is they are not restricted to using those just on Epic Game Store. Other platforms can use the voice comms. Other games can use the voice comms. So they're kind of making an app open platform. So I'm more waiting for those other ones because I'd like to have it to where when I go in a game. I can chat with someone regardless of what platform they're using. And yeah, I, this and, is going to provide something like that for a lot of those. Well, and I'll be honest there. They, they have, they have slowed up. I mean, they've slowed up the process here. I mean, they yeah. really should have had a lot of this stuff. It's taken them way too long to get some of these features implemented. To get achievements. They, I mean, yeah. again, that that sh again, while I'm not saying it's an easy task, it should be a relatively simple thing for them to do. And it's taken them this long to do it. For me, Brian, that does not give me great you enthusiasm towards some of these more advanced features like a grouping system. Uh, do they even have a messaging system? I don't know. I'm not sure that they do. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah, they, okay. They have a friend system. I don't remember. They, they I know they have a friend how, system, I but I don't think I don't think there's a messaging system. The, some of those more complicated features that yeah. gives me not a high level of. Do you confidence think they were waiting until some of the trial stuff to pass, though? Do you think because a lot of those things just kind of finally came to some of those things came to a conclusion within the last couple of weeks? Do you think they were waiting on releases until then? I, I don't. For features? I don't. Th I don't think so because the trial had I really had nothing to do with the store itself. I just, I, I think, if I had to guess, I, if, if, if this isn't me just totally spitballing here, but if I had to guess, I would say that Epic thought, the developers thought, Tim Sweeney thought, this was going to be a lot simpler and easier process, and they've realized that yeah. operating and managing a store, handling a CDN for downloads and updates is a lot more complicated, is a lot more time-consuming than yeah. they originally anticipated, because... The fact that it took this long to get achievements, I don't think they have. They don't have incompetent developers. We know that to be a fact based yeah. on some of the things that come out of Epic. So something is bogging them down, and I would guess it's just the complexity of dealing with a store handling payments, all of those things that yep. are associated with running a store that they might have thought, oh, well, even PH, Steam is doing this. PH look how, e look how easy cards. this is. Yeah, still don't have <laughs> <Yeah>. those. <laughs> So don't have shopping carts. Then that's something you wouldn't think would be that hard. No. But for some reason, with how they've done it, it's much more difficult than you would think. Because 
it's not something that they could do in a weekend, I guess. Uh, you would think a shopping cart would be a, something you'd sit down and put together pretty quickly. But Exactly. They, that, uh, that's they what did. I'm saying. Not, I don't have the highest confidence in the world that that that's good. I, I yeah. just I, I well, know. we'll see. Let's let's see now that that's you know. Let's see if there is now a, a kind of a constant pace of releases with this because yeah. you know who knows why if they had this done already and just hadn't released it for some reason or maybe there's another piece that they had to wait for to be done that this relies on. You know that that there because there could be some things that with notifications that they needed some other thing done beforehand. There could be a reason where another thing might come out pretty quickly after this because it was needed as well. I'm, that, I'm hoping that there's more than just, it took us this long to make note of achievements work because that's quite a big, it's <laughs> quite a big thing. Um, have you had a chance? Have you had a chance to watch the, the Korean film squid game? It's actually a show. On um, Netflix. I, so I've watched, I'm, I've watched one episode. I'm going to continue watching it. I've been okay. not going after spoilers. Apparently it's very good. Everybody's talking okay. about it. Um, so I, I will be, uh, finishing okay yes. i'll give i'll give a non i'll, give, I'll say no spoilers because my wife when i first showed her she looked at it, she's like that she did not seem interested in what it was because at first when i download uh, watched it i thought it was <laughs> a uh <laughs> just kidding it's uh, i have netflix get, get over it um <laughs> when i first watched it the uh it, it was it, it i thought it was like a game show like a legitimate korean game show and it was going to be silly and then I watched it. I was like, okay, this is different. And then if you watch the subtitles, because they redo the subtitles um, in the English, because there's the dubbed version on Netflix for English. Which is not very the Korean good. that they, yeah. The dub is then not they good. have, yeah. <laughs> it, there's different things happening in the Korean subtitles, like the ones yeah. that they translated from Korean. I'm just like, okay, where's this? So there's, I saw some articles, people kind of talking and joking about how, there's like a whole nother show in the subtitles compared to the from, American version. From what I've from what I've read, and I, and this is what I've done. Apparently, watching watch it with watch it in Korean with U.S. subtitles because apparently the U.S. dub is just not it, based. On, I watched the first episode with the dub, and it was not good at all. It was a very poor dub, yeah. in my opinion. And I think that, yeah, I think after we went through, which we kind of wish we had gone through and watched it with Korean and read the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that would have gotten some of the emotion and things like that. And there's a there's a there's a lot of cool stuff with this show. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Definitely watch it. But yeah, the ISPs in South Korea are pissed because they said the, the show is too popular. It's making it too big of a drain. Um, and so they're suing Netflix because of how what? popular it is and it's costing them money because of, of the increased maintenance and network expense uh, that that expense that has been driven by the show but to what, the for, ISPs. But for what grounds are they suing them? Um, okay, so they want they want Netflix to pay usage fees uh, to the Korean Communication Commission. Um, the, they, the companies, they failed to reach a settlement that they were supposed to do in 2020 um but they want they want them to pay these fees extra fees to cover the costs of because netflix is what 50 plus percent of the bandwidth of the whole internet yeah so that, this is kind of a weird thing a lot of people a lot of these companies and that's where net neutrality and all that really does come into play is a lot of these companies 
are trying to figure out, okay, well, Netflix releases this content. They use three quarters of the internet, yet they don't pay any more than anyone else. That's the, that's really the whole argument behind net neutrality. Um, the, here's them now complaining about it. Well, that, you know, it's costing them money to be able to host this because all of a sudden people are using their internet. Well, there's a little a bit lot more it. to the story here. Apparently, Netflix is one of the is the only big provider in South Korea that does not pay usage fees. Google, Amazon, Apple, and Facebook all pay network usage fees that that were ruled down from courts. Netflix also pays usage fees in other countries, including the U.S., but does not do so in Korea. SK Broadband estimates that Netflix owed the that company nearly $23 million for usage fees in 2020. That comes out to tw- yeah. almost 27.5 billion won. Um, huh. Well, if the, if in fact that's the case, and they should just... I mean, if I were... The South, I, I don't if understand I was the South why Korean they're not government, paying I would just, them. Well, if I was the South Korean government, I would just block Netflix and say, okay, great. You're not paying your usage yeah. fees. If I stop paying my water bill or stop paying my power bill, Brian, what happens? Imagine if all of South Korea quit paying Netflix. They would be paying that $23 million so fast. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know and, and that's exactly I, what would happen. People would be canceling yeah. their Netflix subscriptions if they were no longer able to access it. So. I mean, of, of course, Netflix doesn't want to pay anything. You know, that's that's business. But um, if everybody else yep. is paying it in, in Korea, South Korea, and they're not, um, that that's not good. Yeah, it's, it's going to end up hurting the South consumer. Korea is the only one they're not. Yeah, well, they'll be the one that's punished by the squabble. Yeah, and exactly. I, I, mean, I don't saying. know if there's a reason. You know, maybe maybe they charge more than the others. I, there's got to be some reason behind it. Uh, but I'm sure well, Netflix just doesn't want to pay. Quickly. They don't want well, to eat into their profits. Their, yeah, and I, I'm on the fence about this because I understand the position. You know, Netflix is benefiting, but that's what the internet, the whole basis of the internet is. It's an open platform that you can try to benefit from. Um, these ISPs, uh, you know, it's they're in a tough spot because they want to provide all this service. Uh, but, you know, you get it to where everybody is eating up your whole thing. You know, you're not people are used to paying a certain amount and getting unlimited access rather than paying for what they what they use. Uh, and that has worked up to this point. I don't know if this keeps becoming an issue. They may go to a usage system. Well, I mean, even like in what the we've US, away from. I mean, in the U.S., this is back. I, I mean, I'm trying to remember what year this was. It's probably almost a decade ago. Netflix cut a deal with a bunch of ISPs in the U.S. Mm-hmm. pays them to prioritize yep. their traffic. Because yeah, exactly. because they want you, you and I, the end user, to not have to deal with buffering during peak time. So they are shelling out millions of dollars, maybe billions of dollars a year toward, towards um, uh, U.S. ISPs to prioritize network traffic, uh, to prioritize Netflix traffic in their data centers. So that when I click a, a something on Netflix, I deal with very little buffer time while on another service, which this has been the whole controversy about net neutrality. While another service, I might have a longer loading time because that traffic is not being delivered as quickly yeah. because of the Netflix prioritization. But I don't I mean, I don't have a problem with Netflix or another company wanting to pay for that because they're not doing it for themselves, they're doing it for the end user. Well, and that's the thing is these ISPs, they have a tough time putting in the hot, super high performance products that netflix is wanting them to put in well if they can kick them some money and say all right make sure that we get fast responses 
um, you know, they're improving. We don't have a nationalized internet service. Uh, you know, these, a lot of these are companies that are keeping their own infrastructure up, trying to provide to you. And Netflix comes in and all of a sudden, you know, makes it to where they, it costs them a lot of expense. So it is a weird little limbo area that I'm kind of, I'm on both sides of the fence and on different aspects of it. I, I can't make up my mind because there's, I don't think there's any real perfect answer for that because I think one is using way more, uh, costing a lot of expense, but I don't think that it should be, you know, the, the ISP's responsibility hundred percent to sit there and cater to that. Yeah. So, well, so and we'll see, P- but that's, PH- but that's, uh, yeah. PHVCK yeah. in the chat said, can Korea even force them? Well, they can't force them to pay it, but they can just shut off the traffic. I mean, the, there's an internet that I don't believe the, the internet isn't, them. the internet isn't centralized in Korea. There are ISPs, but that, whatever the name of that agency you said, Brian, presumably they could tell and recommend to their ISPs in the country block Netflix traffic. Yep. And just don't just yep. no route Netflix traffic so that users can't access the website. I mean, that's they could do that. Um, and then obviously then the concern is, you know, as the citizen base, as the consumer, you now can't access a service that you're paying for. But in the same vein, a court in South Korea has ruled that Netflix owes the country or the ISPs money and they're not paying it. So. Yeah. Well, and here's, here's Netflix response. That. Here's Netflix response. They said we sure. will review the claim that SK Broadband has filed against us. In the meantime, we continue to seek open dialogue and explore more ways of uh, more ways of working with SK Broadband in order to ensure a seamless streaming experience for our co- shared customers. They don't want to pay. Yeah, we seek open dialogue. The open They're dialogue look at it is, again. The open dialogue is like other major tech companies in the state or in the in the country. You have to pay a usage fee based on I don't know how they base it. That Netflix doesn't obviously does not want to pay that. So that there, I mean, there to me there is no, and I'm sure there's more to the story, but to me there's no open dialogue. Everybody else is yep. Google, Facebook, Amazon. They're all paying it. Why are you not? So. And I don't think I don't think we'll I, who knows if we'll ever get an answer other than, you know, there may be some point where they just pay it or they may because of I mean, I don't know, legally, they've already been told to pay it. So uh, we'll see what they can actually enforce. Yeah. I know that you have a kind of a hard out here that you yeah. need to go to. Is there uh, any um, other? Are we any, good? A, yeah. Any any other uh, single stories thing. you want to get to? Yeah. What you got? There's one thing I wanted to touch on because it's kind of a follow up of something we discussed before. Remember? the developer that had the audacity to say his personal opinion about a political issue. Yes. I remember uh, he was fired from his job. Five nights at Freddy's. <laughs> well, no, no, no. That was different. Five nights at Freddy's. He had, remember he had said some things and then people were pretty pissed about uh, what he had said. Uh, and this was the guy who makes those jump scare games. You're and he, about he had made some comments. The pro choice thing or the pro life. thing. Yes. Yeah. But then he, he yes. the, the, the studio fired him. No, no, okay, no, that's going to be a different one. This is this is the Five Nights at Freddy's. I think he had said something more political. I, I'm, uh, I'm trying okay. to remember exactly what he would said, uh, but there was a lot of flack and people, you know, upset with whatever he had said. Uh, it wasn't the guy who just said the most like basic opinion. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who that was. It wasn't that. Well, the um, the Harry Potter director Chris Columbus left the film because they were filming a movie for it, Five Nights at Freddy's movie, uh, and he left. And I. People can go read the article, put it in there in the show notes. But I think this is more tied to the politics and the conflict that they had of him saying his personal political opinion, which happened to be he was a Republican. 
in public. And now he's got the director of his movie walking away from the film. Yes, um, you can read into it all what you would like. Well, I mean, hey, Brian, he did some pretty egregious things like donating money to several conservative action committees and politicians. Yeah, that's including what it was. Yeah. The former president of the United States, Donald Trump, which obviously. Yes, that's what he did because you're he right. Donated to our past president. Yes. You know, he, obviously he, they, they refuse to work with him. It's just it's hypo- hypocrisy. I just I want to point it out. Just every day you see hypocrisy, 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 and I don't want to get tired of pointing it out. Excellent. I want to point it out every time and not give up. So well, thought I'd point out a little hypocrisy here. And yes. uh, there you go. <laughs> All right. All if right. you want to find me, are we, is there anything else you want to go or are we good to roll on out of here? No, I think we're good to go. Um, by the way, uh, we'll talk about this after the show. Yes. We ha- we'll have to move next week's show to a, a different day, but we'll talk about that in the, uh, okay. in the post show. So keep an eye out on our okay. Discord for that. All right. If you want to find me at Brian Aldridge and Gavin Parlor, uh, my blog, biteoftech.com, go to our website, infectionpodcast.com, join our server on Discord, especially for notifications. We'll probably take off the Steam group here pretty soon. Uh, we'll do our notifications through the Discord server. Uh, if you want to watch our shows, go through Twitch, YouTube, BitChute, and DLive. We also have our pre and post shows that some of those are posted on our podcast extras that Judd did for us. Uh, we have the audio forms of the lower right, whatever device platform you want to use, uh, all there. And then our show notes for every single episode. So if you want to click on a particular episode, follow along. And uh, we've got links and and videos, all kinds of things for each episode, all the way to episode number one. If you want to support us, go to infectionpodcast.com forward slash support. You can go to the support tab up top. We've got Prime Gaming Gaming Subs, Humble Bundle. Bundle, uh, We've got Amazon, all lots of ways that you can support the show. So if you want to do that, uh, just check out that site. Absolutely. Brian? As always, thank you, my friend, and we will uh, catch up with you next week for a uh, another edition of the program. Very good. I'll see you then. All righty, folks. Well, that is going to do it for episode 351 here of Infection, the Survival Podcast. My name is Nick Craig. If you'd like to check out my daily political talk show, you can search for the Wilmington's Morning News Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, TuneIn. It's literally anywhere you can get your podcast. You can find out more information on my website, nickcraig.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for joining us. If you missed any portion of the show, you want to check out some videos, images, show notes, links, all that fun stuff is on our website, infectionpodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.